as we're walking up that mountain. Deep breathing all the time, right? Breathing, filling those lungs, filling our lives. I remember I had to be taught how to breathe because I was only using a quarter of my lungs when I was very young and they wanted to teach me to swing and swim. And guess what I did? They said, float. What happened? I sunk. And I had to learn how to breathe before I could learn how to float. Because there wasn't enough air in me that I could float. And so brothers and sisters, we need to learn to breathe, so to speak, spiritually. I'm just going to have you stand for a few minutes. You've been doing lots of sitting, okay? Can you stand while I stand? They stood together and heard the Word of God. Yesterday we were talking about the Spirit. And we talked about that word expecting. Expecting. And we talked about the fact we need to come to the place where we actually believe this is what God has for us. I'd like to share something with you. Talking with a brother about some things, we talked about it and it just came to me how we expect the Holy Spirit to work. We expect that He will come and convict us of sin. We do. We pray all the time that the Holy Spirit will come and convict us of sin. Do you know that that is a negative ministry of the Holy Spirit? Do you know what I mean by that? Like sin's a problem, right? So that's like the baptism in water. I get baptized in water because of my sin. I need the ministry of the conviction of the Spirit because of my sin. It's a sin focus. Now what is the power of the Spirit? When we begin believing for the power of the Spirit, the thought just came to me. The brother that talked about how he's so aware of the convicting work of the Spirit and so aware of the sin, maybe we need to come to the place where we become more aware of Jesus, who's our eternal Father, who's our Counselor, who's our Prince of Peace in every situation, who in every struggle, and who's the one who is our Holy Spirit baptizer with power. I grew up in a setting in which people laid hands on people and all of that and prayed for them that they'd be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we never talked about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We never talked about sin or repenting of sin or anything like that. But you know, my wife says she doesn't know how she would have made it through her teenage years if she hadn't known the power of the Holy Spirit working in her life. She didn't know anything about all the sin teaching and repentance teaching we got. But she met God and knew something of His power. And we had to do lots of repenting later on. But there was an awareness of God that pervaded lives. I got thinking again another thing. When you went into the... I know this is a little theological here, so don't answer, okay? And your ministers can tell you whether I'm right or wrong later. When you went into the waters of baptism, did you have the Holy Spirit in your container already or not? You were already a believer who Jesus had blown His Spirit into you so that you had life. You're already breathing, 
or you have no right to go into the waters of baptism. So you come out of the waters of baptism, you made a public declaration, I'm in God's kingdom now, and I don't know if they do this in your settings, but in some settings they now lay hands on you and pray that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus, the apostles went out and laid hands on people that they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we do it. But what they have in mind is that you will receive the Spirit who convicts of sin and teaches and does all this. What Jesus had in mind was the Spirit that anoints for ministry and for power in your life. So we pray for them with the wrong idea in our mind. Can you accept that, brothers? And think, take that back and think about that. And we wonder why we don't have power and why nothing changed and why nothing happened. Because we didn't expect it to. Because we prayed that they would get what they already needed to have or they had no right to go into the waters of baptism. And we didn't pray for the anointing of God that Jesus received when he was initiated into the ministry. Many people today don't know the power of God because they don't need the power of God. Many powered people today don't ever experience the power of God because they have no ministry or no situation in their life which is demanding the power of God. The early church needed the power of God. And they saw it at work in all those others in the tub that we saw yesterday and they wanted it too. Now somehow we need to change that environment where we expect that that's going to be what's going to happen. Um, just another thought on that. I think I had another thought. Yes. One of the problems is, did we see that when the Holy Spirit comes, something happens? We didn't get through the rest of the book of Acts, but I think you know enough to know that when the, the people are praying for, when, when the Spirit comes, something happens. Everyone knows what's happening. Can we just be honest and say we're a little bit scared of that? So we're going to sing in a minute. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. But you know that might touch your emotions? Brother, you've never cried. You might end up weeping on the floor. You've never raised your voice. God might call you to raise your voice. Sister, you might be married to a man one day who has an anointing come upon his life that sometimes embarrasses you. Will you support us? Because you see, we don't know what happens when we allow the wind to blow into our lives. It takes off roofs, it knocks down walls, it blows out windows, it empowers. And that's what we're asking for when we pray for the Holy Spirit. Not the one who teaches and convicts and gives life, but the one in whom we are immersed. So yes, we're full and we're overflowing. Okay, did you get it? Just a little thing. We're going to talk today about two things. Being filled with the Spirit. And that's all these scriptures here. And then there's this one here, body life. Fellowship, koinonia, it's called body life. We've experienced it here this week. And I first experienced it in little camps like this in it too. 
I remember being with 80-year-old ladies right down to 15-year-old boys in, in two-hour meetings just like you have for prayer. With 80-year-old ladies and me with all my teenage struggles. And we shared our struggles and prayed for one another. That's how I was introduced to Christ. But guess what? You're going to hear a little bit about it tonight. But both of these things, this focus on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit goosebumps and uh, opening our hands and lifting our hands and asking the Holy Spirit to come and be aware of it and ministering to one another in body life. If that's all we have, we're going to end up in a terrible, terrible disaster. And that's what I've seen from most of the revival movements that I've seen throughout my life. And we're going to talk about that tonight in the office and what we need, okay? So you just keep that in mind. Bear that in mind. But in light of that, I'll say something. In order to increase your... You need to find out, Lord, how do I... What are the, the things... When we repent, we fall on our faces and we bang our heads against the floor and we say, God, meet with me. What do we do when we say, God, I want your fullness? God, today, I'm aware that I need you Sometimes we just do simple little things like we're sitting in our chair and we put our hands like this. And you know, I, I know maybe you'll think I'm dumb and all that, but I can, I can sit in my chair and just say, Lord, I need you. And I just turn my hands from this way to this way and my body just vibrates. <laughs> and that's nothing, right? But the reality is my body is part of this, this process of being connected to God. My emotions are part of it. So sometimes I lift my hands and I say, Lord, here I am on an empty vessel. Will you come and fill me? I know we can talk about all my, my problems, but Lord, will you just come and meet me? I'm not asking you to lift your hands or anything like that. You may want to lift your eyes. You may want to close your eyes. Well, can we just sing that song? Just the chorus. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up. Thank <laughs> you. 
and joining, taking it from Jew over to Gentile added on, over to not a Gentile church, but a believer's church of all tribes where everyone is equal and God is at work in a new Koinonia society, in a new spirit-filled society, and in a new witnessing society. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some of that all more tonight. But these two are vitally joined together. All these scriptures that we see, wherever the Holy Spirit comes, there's going to be fellowship. And if there isn't, something's wrong. And the only way we can have fellowship is with the Holy Spirit. So, so here's two sets of scriptures that are vitally related. I'm just going to read through these scriptures. We'll make a few comments. But through them all, we're talking about that the new community of society is waiting together, confessing together, expecting together, continuing together, growing together, using their resources, both financial and of gifts together for a purpose, witnessing together, dealing with sin together, not sweeping it under the rug together. Following together, that means that there's leaders, that there's deacons. We'll see in chapter 6, they appoint deacons so that the elders can do their work. There, there's a following, there's an understanding that we're all... They're discipling together, they're making laborers together so that there's someone that they can send together. So sending together. In Acts 15, we'll find out that they're deciding together. Exceptionally important point that most churches are failing at. They're not deciding together. They're letting everybody decide on their own. Or they're deciding in a bureaucracy somewhere. They're not deciding together. The Anabaptist movement was based on the idea that we decide together. Brother. And then there is rejoicing together that flows all the way through that. Turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And I'm not going to preach on them. I'm not going to say much. Just a little, because we've got four minutes. Well, we'll see what. Look at this. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. So there's 120 people there. Praying. They were there for ten days, waiting. They're they're waiting together for ten days. What do you what what happened with us when we were waiting together for ten days? And it doesn't say they did this here. They're continually called to repentance. We know the, the messages that were always being spoken were about repentance. So what do you think they were doing when they were together for ten days, getting ready, preparing a road for the Lord? We're doing some work on their relationships and on their purity and all of these things, confessing together. They were expecting together. And it goes on then we see it, it says they were continuing together there in one accord. Then we go to chapter 2, verse 1. It says they were all together in one place in one accord when suddenly the Holy Ghost came. Chapter 2, verse 14. Don't break them down. Look at the words. But Peter rose up to preach. Who was there? Who else was there? Who else? Who else? Who else? The eleven. Peter rose up to speak with the eleven. Brothers, if I didn't sense that these one, two, three, 
four, five, six brethren were saying amen to what I was preaching this week, and if you didn't sense it while you were preaching, it would have been an awful lot harder job, wouldn't it? But there's been a teamwork here that has just amazed me and blessed me and encouraged me. Thank you, brothers. We've been standing, at least you've been standing with me, and I hope that you sense that I'm standing with you. We're in this together. We're preaching together. It's not something I invented or, or you invented, brother. We're in this together. And that makes all the difference. 41 to 47. You know it? And they continued steadfastly, looking straight ahead in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, some places say from house to house and in the temple. In breaking bread, they had the Lord's Supper many, many times, it seems. And in prayer. You'll see this down here. You'll see it all over the place in the book of Acts. Whoops, that one got missed. Praying. It's so important, brother. You better come and write it down. Can you make sure? Because we've got to make sure it gets on their paper. Praying together is at the center of fellowship. It's it's my fault. I don't have it on the list. I'm sorry. That's right. uh, I, I recopied the list and I didn't put it there. Do you know what it means when it says they continued together? Continue? Oops. Am I getting that? Yes. Um, continued. It's the word they were glued. They were glued together in what... Now, I may get this wrong because I... I but... Um, yeah. Just bear that in mind. Research it yourself. Doesn't mean glue. I believe it means they were glued together in one accord to all of these things. Okay, go on to 4, 31 to 37. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spake the word with boldness. And the multitude of them, verse 32, were of one heart and of one soul, and they had all things in common, and with great power they gave witness. They, they had all their resources together to minister to the needs of others and to minister to witnessing to the world. Now, if I just come along and say, Sister, uh, what's your person in this pile here? Uh, you're going to have a hard time doing that, right? But hey, if we've been to the university and we've been here and there and we're pooling our resources here uh, and uh, we, we realize we've got a purpose, suddenly you say, hey, I've got a purse! Right? It, it doesn't matter so much how we do that if that we see that we've got a purpose and all our resources are to be poured to that purpose. Did you get it? That's, do you think they grumbled about it? We see that someone did. Chapter 5, verse 3. Barnabas had sold his land, but verse 3 says, chapter 5, But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled? So there's the Spirit-filled life and there's the Satan-filled life. Now, typically in our churches, we tend to not like dealing with some of these things. And we allow sin to go year after year after year. God dealt with Korah's sin right at the beginning. Patterns. Look for patterns in the scripture, brethren. It's amazing when God gave the first covenant, Sinai, uh, Korah came and tested it right away. And uh, whoever else it was there. That guy who lied about Achan. That's who I'm thinking of. 
here Ananias did the same thing. Both times, God came and dealt with the situation to show us that we were to be taking it seriously too. And I might tell a story about that tonight where I didn't do that. Okay, let's carry on. Chapter 9, verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea, etc., and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. The churches were walking together, arm in arm. They were being edified. That means they were building into each other's lives. It says comfort. We've heard that there's some need for that today, right? Praying for one another. Sisters, someone asks, what can we sisters do? Well, well, one thing you can do is you can you can see what your needs are, where you can pray, where you can write notes. My notes, my wife just got a letter from because a sister got an idea, a young sister, that, that she should write a letter to my wife. So I was expecting a letter from her, but it didn't just end up being from her. They got together. Some other sisters got together and put a scrapbook together of all the families in their church for my wife. Wow, wow, those are things, which of you would have thought of that? <laughs> okay, so talk to one another about ideas you get to bless, to pray, and so on. Uh, 13, 1 to 3, you know that one, they were together praying and fasting, and the Lord said, separate Paul and Barnabas. Were they having a lousy time? No, they were having fellowship. And God came. It was fellowship this way and that way. Too many business meetings, brother, have fellowship this way and not that way, and then it's not fellowship, it's just a meeting. I'm sick to death of meetings. I used to love them. I almost fear to go to them anymore because... Well, you just like to wish that there was a sense that, that we are here first. May we change that. May you change that, young man, in your generation. Maybe you already have. 14.22, they went confirming the souls and exhorting them. That's fellowship. That through much tribulation, there's going to be hard times, fellas, but if we're going to enter the kingdom, keep on walking. Okay, that's part of the fellowship. Chapter 15 is the great council at Jerusalem that we haven't even talked about for one single second hardly this time. But in that, I'll just say this. It's part of the fellowship. And what they did is they talked. Everybody had a chance to talk. Everybody was involved. It wasn't some people cloistered in a room and decided what to do with Anna. They talked to her. They talked with her parents. They, 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 they sought God. They prayed. They, 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 they came together to, to follow what I'm saying. We all too often make decisions without thoroughly finding our information and talking to everyone involved and we find ourselves making terrible decisions that we regret later. They took a lot of time and involved a lot of people to together find what God wanted. We should put here discerning together and deciding together. You might want to write that down. Discerning Brother, you better come up here and write down discerning together. 16.4 and this is the last one. 
Uh, no, yeah. And as they went through the cities, they delivered what was decided after they discerned together. They just delivered the decrees to keep that were ordained of the, the apostles, verse 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and in, in number. In 1530-31, it says this, when they shared what they discerned and decided, everyone said, oh no! Is that what it says? Everyone rejoiced. Because finally they had some direction. Because finally it wasn't just, ah, everyone doing what blew their hair back, and the Jews against the Gentiles. Do you think it resolved the problems when they made the decision? Do you think if you made some decisions in your church that everyone will say, oh, and yes, of course. No, there's going to be some that are going to keep right on doing what they want. But now, when Brother Joe gets up to preach, he knows he can preach with authority on a subject because the church has decided. And they can pray and patiently come alongside. There were Judaizers 15 years still after the Council of of Jerusalem. They're still around today. But we believe that God gave direction and we can speak with authority. Together. Okay. Next thing we're going to do here. Will you let... You've got to preach the rest on that, okay? I just gave you the outline. Now we're going to get you to work. Will someone come and give out these papers? Um, one to each person would be great. Oh, that was 26 minutes instead of 20. I don't know if I'm getting better or worse. <laughs> what we're going to have you do here, while these are being handed out, can you listen to instructions while, while this is being handed out or not? Do you remember yesterday, I don't have an overhead today, but do you remember yesterday how we showed this chart? And give me one of them too, brother, actually, if there is. We showed you this chart. Now, I hope that you'd be filling in little notes of this chart all week, but it didn't work out that way. But we saw how uh, a number of things. And just listen to me. We saw that there were three sections in the book of Acts. And that I'm giving you. You're not going to change that part. Anything else you can invent. Invent. We've talked about four themes in the book of Acts. God at work, the spirit, fellowship, and witness. You might wonder, well, we just kind of got started on fellowship. But I'm telling you, these are some four themes to look through. We've also talked about some interesting little details that hold all the pieces together and provide transitions from one to the next. We've, we've thrown out lots of different little nuggets. But I'm just wondering, okay, what have you got? How can you put it together? Now, typically, this would take about a week to do. Okay? Uh, a week of putting your heads together. But I'm just going to give you 15 minutes. 15 minutes to put your heads together and think of... Uh, remember, there were three phases. Remember, there were four journeys. But you don't even need to include that if you don't want. What I want to know is what do you think is a way that I can show what I've got this week on this chart from the book of Acts. Okay, let's turn around. Just clear your books away. Turn around and I want you to work together on that for 15 minutes in groups. Any questions? Will you watch the, the time and stop us in 15 minutes? Then you're going to get to report.
You've got to get to it quick, okay? And if you'd rather come to another table where you're quiet, that's okay too. Yes, I want to see there are three definite sections of the book of Acts. You don't need to include the four themes if you don't want, but um, somehow use the three sections and try and show what you've learned in the book of Acts. Creativity. It can either be from information I've given you, or it can be just creativity where you invent something that no one else has ever dreamed of. But try and work in groups if you can. Start that 15 minutes now, brother, if you would. Find a theme, or, or what kind of? How did you put some things together? 
Yeah. I don't know if you if this is what you mean by coat hangers, but I really appreciate the analogy of a baby. A baby. In church <coughs> Chapter one, maybe the labor pains. Two, the birth. Okay. Starts moving when Peter and John starts um, performing the does the miracles of the temple. Chapter four. Um, yeah, four. The pain from persecution. Okay, so he took my analogy and he's developed it even further, hasn't he? That's good. Can you keep going? Can anyone keep going with that? By sin affects the church. Sin affects, okay. Dirty diapers. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you do? Leave them on? Some people do. And then what do you get? Diaper rash. A lot of churches have diaper rash. Hey, we're getting, you're, you're getting it, brother. You're really on to something here. Uh, do we want to keep going on that one, sister? What ideas do you have? Where do we go from here? You see how, as we work together, I was sheeping around while I was studying. No, but are we in this together? Together. We're studying the book of that. Okay. Did anyone else have any other coat hangers that they saw, either one that that they saw that I brought up, or one that you thought of? Okay. Purpose. What's that? Purpose. Purpose. Okay, develop that.
Okay, now, sifters. It's, we don't want to just have that information. What's some application we can make of that then? Maybe you're too sleepy and you weren't listening. <laughs> What's some we just talked about persecution at each one of these stages of the church. How, how does that apply to us today? What did they discover in the midst of the persecution? They can't stop God. Can't stop God. Mm -hmm. They discovered the power of God, didn't they? Peace of God. The peace of God. Amen. God used it to direct them to go out from Jerusalem to spread like you told them to. Exactly. So can God still... Do you think... How did God get Paul to Rome? Was it persecution? It was. But what else was it? This is a trick question. We didn't talk about it. His appeal. His appeal. Anything? Ideas for anything else? Okay, but there might be something else. Shipwreck. Shipwreck. Okay, I'm thinking of something else. What, what did he do that, uh, uh, that initiated the arrest? No. He took a vow. He went to Jerusalem and everyone was warning him not to. He went and he took a vow that a lot of people would think, if any of you brethren took that vow, well, we're not sure if we'd let you talk in the next brothers meeting, okay? <laughs> he moved at the inspiration of he moved at the inspiration of the Spirit. But is it possible? Here's just the thought I have. God wanted to get Paul to Rome, and Paul and the Judeans were all very concerned about how to make peace in this whole Gentile thing. What do you do, brothers? Uh, maybe Paul would be a good idea if he went and did this thing and made these guys sacrifices and did this. And they hadn't worked all that through yet either, did they? But God, it's possible that God used a mistake that a key leader made to initiate something of what he wanted to do to get Paul to Rome. Is that possible? Has he ever done that for anyone of you? Can anyone tell me here when God used a mistake? This is application now. Is it important to make application? Can anyone tell me when God used a mistake they or the church made to lead on to a next step? Can he just quickly come to mind? Yeah. yeah. I mean, did you want to share? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you can kind of like Paul too. You know, someone said that uh, that uh, that uh, God, uh, Paul made sure when Luke was writing Acts that he said, Paul, make sure you put that in there about when I was kind of dumb and did this. Well, it's true, brothers. God will use our mistakes. There are times I've seen brothers and sisters do things that were absolutely and totally out of character, and that thing began a process of events which led to something good. Okay? And we need to accept that in our brothers and sisters, that sometimes God will do that maybe even through us. Maybe through my anger coming out in my home, sister, because of something will lead to us dealing with some things in our family that we're not being dealt with. Was the anger right? Can God still at work? Through very fragile human beings. Okay, what else did you find in there?
on a little bit with the fellowship, but the unity um, that they had, I think, is example to us what we should have in our churches. Absolutely. Oh, that word one accord. That could be a key verse for the book of Acts. As you think about fellowship, we're going to talk about being in one accord tonight at some point. And uh, uh, so that's very important. Now, what about the Jew-Gentile thing? Maybe we talked about that. Uh, how about this rejection? How does rejection come into the book of Acts? Now, I'm not talking about the kind of rejection that was talked about by Brother Rod. What kind of rejection do we see in the book of Acts? The Jews rejecting the gospel. The Jews rejecting. So now, is that a key thing in history? Do you know that there's some people that say that the book of Acts is the story about how the Jews rejected the gospel and now the plan of God was... Now we're just kind of sitting here. We've got to get saved. And one day God will start again. But for now, just sister, get saved. That's a pretty pathetic, hopeless view, isn't it? But God wasn't done when the Jews rejected. He used that failure to make it a believer's church that one day is hopefully going to, is going to attract Jews, isn't it? Okay. Now, I don't know all the chronology of that. Maybe you do, but don't, don't worry me about it right now. <laughs> Anything else? Um, so we see that, that theme of the rejection, it, it, that's very important, okay? That's very important. The, the conflicts, tracing the conflicts through, are very important. One thing we never did is we never looked at many of the sermons, but I think there's 26 times in Acts when there's some kind of sermon or, or, or declaration. And you know what a lot of them deal with? The resurrection. So it's pretty important that we understand the resurrection when we're thinking about Acts. Did they preach? Did, did sorry, did, brother? Did um, did, did did Luke tell us about justification? He, he never mentioned it, did he? Now, do you know that the Book of Romans was being written during the time that Acts is being read in Acts? Somewhere in the, 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 the beginning of, I believe, that second, third period. But Luke never says a thing about it. He never says a thing about those, those uh, the, the, the issues that brought about the, the need to deal with justification. Well, he does. We, have, uh, we know there was the Jew-Gentile thing. And Paul came and he tried to make that clear. Well, Luke doesn't tell us anything about it. But it was happening all at the same time. But what we see in their sermons is a focus on the resurrection of Christ. Many evangelistic sermons are preached today about justification. What did they preach? Resurrection. resurrection. You can take those sermons and go through and see how that's carried out. Okay, there's an interesting little link that I gave you. It was that starting at Luke, and maybe even starting back, we can find that when God starts something, opposition comes from demonic sources. Did you know? Do you, how many of you remember that that theme was there? 
How many remember that I said that at every stage it seems like Luke talked about a demonic attack that came against the church and the new activity at every stage? That's an interesting, that's a sermon, brothers. That's a little devotional, young men. That's something to meditate on, sisters. Okay, sisters, any thoughts that just stepped in and blessed you? Or any application or anything you'd like to share over here. We need a little more time. We've got five minutes, three minutes we're going to give to you. What can you tell us, Abigail? <laughs> well, the, in the advancing stage, um, Diana's correct about this. This is us. We're still advancing. The church is, wow. It hasn't, it didn't stop with these three sections to me. So this is a continuous section. And we may begin with first steps, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Ira, anything stick out to you? Um, I don't have it right now on my paper, but I just really enjoyed how we never really had the book of Acts. The question that he asked, what would we know? And I learned that. That really blessed me. Okay, so there's a lot of pieces there. Nope. Okay, Mary Kate. <laughs> anything stick out to you?
you may think that being spirit-filled is being something like Brother Davis. And you might go down a very wrong path. I have to be very careful. I grieve sometimes because of my personality. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you need to be loud. But it means you might be. Doesn't mean you, you need to cry like some preacher, but it means you might. It means that suddenly your emotions and your body and your will and your whole being are offered to God. Your tongue, everything. And you say, God. See, another thing you do when you, you raise your hand is you say, God, here I am. I'm surrendered. No guns, no cannons. Can't get down there quick enough. I surrender. Unless you've done that, you're not going to have the spirit of life. You're not going to have the life of the book of life. We're not going to take any questions today because I'll share what I shared with, with someone else. I'd love to answer your questions. But I should not be the one that is speaking with authority into your lives. I should not be the one that is answering your tough questions. That should be your elders and your brother. You can ask me questions at lunch, but I want you to know, don't ask a visiting preacher to give you the critical answers to things in your life. Ask your brotherhood. Amen. You will get in trouble if you expect a visiting person who doesn't know you to give you the authority to help in your lives. Okay? So we could ask, and I know you'd love to ask questions, but I'm going to give you an assignment instead, and then we're going to pray. I want you to just take these things and think of these things like add, multiply, resurrection, war, persecution, threats, rejections, Jew, Gentile, teach, koinonia, bodybuilding, conflict, controversy, sermons, the responses to sermons. Uh, those are some things you can go through the book of Acts looking for. You can find key words. You can look for cocainers, themes, links like that little demoniac Anytime you see something happening over and over again in a book, look to try and find out if there's a pattern. Study each time the Holy Spirit was poured out. We haven't even got to them. But go through and study each time the Holy Spirit was poured out and then compare it. Okay? Take that assignment. Write those things down if you want. That'll help you. And then do this chart again. Is there a, do you need a photocopier to make this chart? Now you can draw that one pretty easy, can't you? Three squares for the book of Acts. How many people put in, by the way, I've never heard, how many people put in chapters or dates on that? Okay, that's kind of important, isn't it? How many people put in uh, journeys? I didn't see any journeys in there. Could have added in journeys. How many journeys was there? Four. Four! Not just three, right? At least four. At least four. Okay. What I want you to do is, uh, we've got one minute. I want you to just turn to the person beside you, and uh, that'll usually work out. Uh, two, two, two. You can get together with Josh. Is that okay? And uh, two, two, two. Everyone else, it'll work out. Take the person beside you and pray for 30 seconds for each other. Whatever your blessing for them.
God for four sessions on the book of Acts. Yay, five. We're going to have another session tonight. I think maybe unless God changes the course, it's perfectly fine because we just lifted our hands up and said, Yes, Lord. So I think we'll just wait and see. But I think there's two things that have happened here. I hope it happened was rekindled in me for sure. And that is an enthusiasm, a fresh interest in the book of Acts and the church, the Holy Spirit and some of those themes that are listed there. But also a fresh uh, set of tools possibly for studying any book of the Bible. And going through it and finding themes and code hangers and words and links and those kinds of things. So I I trust that you feel equipped a little bit, even though we've gone through a book study, that hopefully you can you can sort of take the way this thing unfolded. And I know that Brother David took some extra time to try to to give that to you. Because he didn't just stand up here and go through his outline. He, he got us involved. And he showed us how he came to those conclusions. And I hope that you can take that and feel like you've got some tools now. Pickaxe, a shovel, a wheelbarrow, and you're ready to dig for some pearls, some treasure. 